Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. May 28th, 2018, episode 39. Happy Memorial Day, everyone. We welcome you as the 31st annual Rolling Thunder Ride for Freedom rolls out of D.C. This is a half a million biker strong movement that comes into the area to pay tribute to the military veterans and remember those who gave their lives in service. So, And we do the same on the Steelers Outpost podcast. This is Tom in the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick again joins me from the Houston Outpost. Uh, we'd like to start out with some shout-outs from some, some new fans, and our first shout-out goes to Parker, P-Mac, we like to call him, who's going into his senior year at Virginia Tech. Uh, Parker says that Terrell Edmonds is a really nice guy, which is exactly what we're looking for. We need good people, so, and he's got the inside info. So uh, Parker did a little binge listening over the weekend on a long drive, and he gave us some great feedback, so we want to thank him for listening, for the feedback, and, uh, and now he's following us on Twitter. Today, unlike the last couple of weeks, we're going to be a font of positivity, and we're going to highlight the Steelers' upside in the 2018 season. Uh, you know, the last couple of weeks, we've just tried to bring reality home, which is necessary to set a baseline. So we are dealing in reality, but we actually think very highly of the upcoming season. I, uh, in the second episode, want to talk about some surprising statistics we found about the Steelers' defensive lapses. They may not have been as bad as we thought uh, as we watched the games. Mm. And we're also going to take a look at next year's schedule to see whether some of our unheralded opponents have shored up their weaknesses through the draft and free agency to see exactly what kind of strength of schedule we're facing next year. So, on to the show. We spent a lot of time the last two weeks, as I said, administering a dose of reality about the upcoming season. And while we do have concerns about several positions, the Steelers are still poised like a crazed mongoose in a room full of pythons, ready yeah. to strike with the venomous fangs of its vaunted offense. Yes. While perhaps the known unknowns about the defense will materialize as positives in the upcoming season, or most of our opponents' starting quarterbacks will go down with injuries. So, Nick, uh, since you were the guy who set the, set the bar so low for our expectations over the last two weeks, let's let you have the glory of rise, bringing us up as a phoenix from the ashes. Yeah, you keep putting that on me. Maybe I'm, I'm worse than I think I am. That's just because I know that the team is counting on us, and they're probably listening. And it's, it's hard for them to get information like this out there. So I got to bring these boys back down to reality. It's like they tell the stories of Belichick and, and Parcells, two, two guys that we don't give a single crap about, but they've had some success in the league. 
not you know Chuck Knoll type success, but they've had success, and they always bring their teams down when they're feeling too good about themselves. I, I figured that the staff and the players who are listening to this thing um, needed some of that. But you guys, let's not be ridiculous here. We know the Steelers got a great shot at the Super Bowl this year, as they do almost every year, especially in this Ben Roethlisberger era. So I wanted, um, now that we've looked at the roster additions or lack of their additions, I wanted to look at four main points that I drew up um, that are really encouraging for the Steelers this year. And assuming that we still keep the strengths from the past few years, you know, the skill position play, offensive line play, as long as we keep those strengths, there are four things that I think actually are poised to improve that can make us even better of an overall team than last year, even if we're down, you know, one a big star player or two. Okay, I'm, I'm sitting here with bated breath. You said improvements. You're not talking about current strengths like the offensive line, I assume. It's funny you say that because the first thing I talked about, I wanted to take this from a little bit of an opposite angle. First thing I talked about may already be perceived as a strength, but something that could get even better. I'm going to start with strengths and then I'm going to move to kind of the big one, the big one or two at the very end. But I'm going to start from a different angle. Number one, the first thing that can improve for the 2017 Steelers to the 2018 Steelers is, drumroll, the offense, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, it's amazing, but it can get even better, particularly with the red zone offense, which finished a putrid 18th place in the league last year. So the Steelers were fifth place in points, and even that sort of seems like an underachievement, but you know that they could put up points at any moment, and the fact that they put over 40 points on the the league's best defense last year in the last game pretty much indicates we ended up in a great place, but man, we still had a lot more work to do. And the reason you say that is I'm just guessing the replacement of Todd, who the dogmatic... Todd, who needed to run the play no matter what. Yeah, Todd had, um, you know, Ben has been there the whole time that Todd has been there. So you can't just say, well, when Todd was here, we had bad red zone offense. But, man, there were just too many times where they ran one-man fade routes to Antonio Brown, which as awesome as A.B. is, the fade route isn't a, isn't a high percentage play to begin with. And especially to a short guy like A.B., that's not his strength. That's just one example of the type of plays he did. But there was just never any rhythm in the red zone. And, and – whether it's Todd Haley or someone else, you get a new coach in there. Mr. Rooney specifically cited the red zone offensive struggles as something that they need to improve and that they think the feet master, Randy Feetner, new offensive coordinator, they think he can improve on that. So 18th, Steelers are definitely capable of being a top 10 at minimum um, red zone team. And if you're a top 10 team in that, if they finish some more of those drives out with touchdowns, you win all those games you lost. That Jaguars game was two trips to the red zone on the first two possessions in the regular season, and then they sort of floundered. So that makes a huge difference. And they can definitely make a big leap. I don't think they uh, were thinking like one or two positions here. I think they should jump into the top 10 or five. So that's the I first mean, one. It's, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you just have um, shore up the tight end position. That's where I want to I wanted be a lot of offensive tackle eligible as well. There you go. Yeah, they could do it. Well, it sucks that they lost Chris Hubbard, so you lose some of the off- extra offensive tackle guy. But we got some guys uh, uh, ready to go in there. But it's funny that you mentioned the tight end because that's another thing. The Steelers are getting, in my mind, a star player that nobody realized they have, and that's Vance McDonald, the tight end from last year who played well in spurts in, and played in general in spurts because frequently he was out with injuries. Um, after a couple... <laughs> 
quick drops in his initial moments as a Steeler, which kind of got him in the doghouse for Steelers fans. This guy erupted. He, when the the, the statistics for him for the run game, when when um, geez, I just said his name, Vance McDonald was playing dramatically higher than when he wasn't playing. He's a great run blocker. And this guy made a serious dent as a receiver in those last few games he played in. And he went for like 115 against the Jaguars in the last game of the season that we keep referencing. He has some serious wheels. That's why we brought him here. We like them to get that out of their system. Like we like Jesse in his first reception as a Steeler. Oh, I forgot to drop on the goal line. So it's good to get it out of your system early. Get it done. Don't be worried about that thing. And Vance won't be injured this season, which would be another advantage. Yeah, hopefully he'll stay healthy. But that guy brings a dimension that even Heath Miller never brought. He brings a dimension that Ladarius Green had a couple years ago for us, but he again was injured. And, man, you saw how effective Vance McDonald is. So I think that the Steelers are getting a star player that nobody else realizes they're really getting there. So those are two big things that I think aren't quite projections. You know, when you could talk about like, oh, I hope the safeties play this well this year. I hope somebody improves this year. It's like, well, I, I haven't seen that before. These are two things that we've seen. The red zone offense um, being good. We know that they have all the personnel to do that. There's no reason why they shouldn't be. And we've seen this player who was very good but just injured. He's coming back. That should be a, that should be a big deal for them. Does, so those are, does that count as two of your four improvements or is that a compound improvement? The well, you know what the tight end thing I just threw in there for freestyle because as you said tight okay. end, it, it, uh, it, yeah. So that's one one a, and then number two. So here's the big two. The second thing that the Steelers can improve in 2018 is also related to their offense. It's the slow start. It seems like forever ago, but you guys, this last season was plagued with the horrifically slow start for the Steelers. It was like pulling teeth watching them play those first few games, and particularly when you when it comes to Ben and Le'Veon. Now, Le'Veon might might have a slow start again this year because I know that, you know, he's such a good player. I don't really think he needs, like, to go to training camp as much as somebody else would need to be. But, hey, he might be in the best shape in the world, but it's not the same thing as playing football. So he could start slow again. Now, my thing is if James Conner is healthy, which it looks like he will be, I think that he may actually be able to alleviate some of his workload earlier in the season rather than last year when he was coming in as a rookie. We didn't have D'Angelo Williams anymore. We didn't even have anyone to put in for Le'Veon. Not that Mike Tomlin would substitute Le'Veon out even if he had the choice, but I think they're going to want to integrate James Conner some more, um, and that could hopefully protect against a little bit of a slow start for Le'Veon. I'm glad you said that. That that was disappointing, as you said. I mean, it's all about timing at the beginning. I'm sure he's in, Le'Veon's in shape, but he's got there are some new guys on the offense, and there's time to be had. Also, the great Ben point. kind of started out. I, I think I hope yep. we talked about this before that Ben comes out with some renewed uh, fire. Fire. Thank you. Yeah, I could have used a better. It didn't word. last year. No, he was chilling. I had a, 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 a three-syllable word, but that was better. We'll work it in somewhere else, but you're absolutely right. I was going to say perseverance. Okay. Uh, yeah, sure. Whatever. Perseverance is good. I prefer fire. Maybe fuego. We'll 10, go with something whatever it takes. With a little bit right. more of a flair. Uh, the other thing about the Le'Veon and James Conner thing is you made a great point. It's all about timing, and that's what you get by running plays in the offseason. There will be some wrinkles in the playbook. You have a new offensive coordinator, and – the good thing, though, with James Conner is not only will he be a second-year vet in the NFL, but he's going to get every single touch that Le'Veon doesn't get. 
in training camp. So he should be ready to hit the ground running. And then if Jalen Samuels, the running back we drafted out of NC State, the pass-catching, versatile running back, maybe he gets into the mold as well. And you've got these guys who have had a chance to really get up to speed. Um, not as much Samuels, more more James Conner, um, who could hopefully ease Le'Veon back in, starting with you know, 20, 24 touches a game instead of the 30 that he usually does. And then, like you said, the Ben slow start. Hey, look, I think there's a couple reasons for Ben's slow start last year. We talk about he's sort of an emotional player. He can go on hot and cold streaks. I think part of the issue last year was, honestly, Martavis Bryant's slow start for Ben. And I think they plugged him in there assuming he was going to be this massive centerpiece to the offense like he was in years prior. And they were trying to call plays to get him the ball, and it just was making the offense a little bit clunky. We remember the yeah, big thing we kept force, yeah. Yeah. No, it did. And last year we kept saying the big issue in the first half of the season was actually Ben's deep ball. It wasn't so much as much as like he's just not completing those two deep passes per game that you usually see. And if you really look back at a lot of those, there were definitely some misfires. But it was also Martavis inexplicably uh, slowing up or not being able to get off of jams. And you kind of plan your offense as that around that as your your secondary pass catcher. And it's kind of weird. Now you have Juju. Someone who's a very reliable pass catcher who's going to have a lot of plays designed for him after AB. So I think this is going to be a more sustainable group. I don't want to steal your thunder, but you were mentioning Martavis. Are, are you bringing the wide receiver position to your last two potential improvements? No, I'm, I'm not. Okay. I'm, these, I'm well, gonna, this is kind of me finishing up the offense. All right. Well, so I, I just think that James Washington is unproven, but I, I think Martavis was fading. I mean, not just – from a performance standpoint, or he's getting older, his interest in the Steelers was so low, and it wouldn't have improved this year. So uh, Martavis in his prime, when he was trying, when he had a, a contract on the line, yeah, maybe I, would, I definitely would have preferred to have him on the field. He's not. I'm very high on James Washington. I can see that argument, although I, I think more for the sake of this topic, slow start early in the year, I don't think it was as much – due to Martavis' motivation as it was his rustiness and his timing, like we were talking before. And he just wasn't used to getting off of jams from starting NFL corners. He hadn't played football in a year, and so he wasn't in the places where Ben needed him to be. And he just – he's not – Martavis wasn't a super coordinated guy to begin with. He's run down the field past everybody and catch it half the time, and it bangs off his face mask the other half of the time. So I think he was just a little uncomfortable on the field. James Washington, our rookie wide receiver that we drafted in the second round. I agree with you. I love him, but I'm not uh, I'm not totally – I guess he will have to make a, an early impact because he's already going to be slotted as the third receiver. So you're probably right. But I, I do look back at Juju from last year who's turned out to be a stud. If you could get the type of year from Washington that you got from Juju, you, you'd have hit gold. And it took Juju a few weeks to get in there. Um, really like six or seven weeks for him to really catch his stride. But then again, he was battling with Eli Rogers for a spot. So like you said earlier, you know, Washington, he's going to get reps. So I, what I like about this receiving core is it's three guys with sure hands and who can run routes and stuff like that instead of having this wild card that you were trying to force the ball to. Potential improvement number three, three, three. Three, three. Let's move to the big obvious, ladies and gentlemen. We're moving to the defense. So the number one thing about the defense, besides them being bad at football in general, is just the defensive discipline. Number three, the big improvement that they can make is in defensive discipline. So many times over the years, we beat this horse to death. The communication on the defense 
has been the problem. When Gronk scored those three touchdowns in week one, uh, two, two or three years ago, it was ridiculous. You're not covering potentially the best player in the league. Literally had nobody covering him. You even look at when Gronk destroyed us this year. You had him one-on-one with Sean Davis. And as much as we want to crush Sean Davis for that, nobody can cover that guy one-on-one. What kind of game plan is that? Are people supposed to be in the zone, but they're not there? We don't know. And then going back to that, Jaguars playoff game which is really determining a lot of how we look at the Steelers because it was kind of the sum of all the parts was that game it's kind of the culmination of everything that plagued them and everything that they did well right scored a lot of points on offense gave up a ton of points to a middle school offense in the Jaguars and they talked about it all after the game like well we just it was a communication thing it wasn't a skill they weren't better than us they weren't better than us it was communication and it is true maybe they're not better than you they're just not as dumb as you but from the coaches or the player side, right? That was a little harsh. I take that back. I'm sorry. But it was weird watching the Jaguars and people running wide open the whole game. You've been so, playing with this defense for years. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the communication is just going to improve because you brought in Naparay, Morgan Burnett, you got John Bosk. I think those veterans, are, they're, they're solid players. I'm just counting on them to be better communicators and leaders. I mean, you're I think so your club. You have Hayden. has been there for another year. You've got hey, you've got Jay. Joe, Jay. Yeah. You know, Joe. Hayden, Poe, Joe, Jay, Johnny Hayden. But what happens? At, what happens in the clubhouse? I mean, you you have uh, Hayward as the club, but who else after? Um, so Mike Mitchell's as gone. As far as leadership, big voice. As far as leadership, and I, I actually think yeah. these guys will step up. Maybe you don't do it as soon as you walk in the clubhouse, but <clears throat> right. as you pointed out, Joe Hayden's been there, and but I think these veterans will come in and step up. Yeah, I totally agree. You're right. And they obviously did that on purpose. They say John Bostick and Morgan Burnett, two of their biggest qualities were communication and leadership. And I also just think it it was such a disaster in the last part of the season, particularly that last game, which is very visible. I think that you know Mike Tomlin is going to really make this a point. I'm sure it was a point before, but I'm sure it is red alert now, making sure the communication is ironed out um, in this offseason. So you, you brought up a good point, though. They lost some huge leaders. They lost... Um, Obviously, you don't have Shazier out there. William Gay's not out there. And um, you Mitch, don't have Mike, Mike Mitchell, Mitchell, who's a yeah. great one. Who do you think the leaders of the defense are going to be? Well, I don't know. How many do you need? Hayward? Is Hayward, Hayward enough? I'm sorry. But, yeah, how many? Yeah, Hayward. Right. Well, I Maybe do Vince, think you Vince, need Vince Williams. Vince Williams? Yeah, I totally agree. As they say, Vince is I just listened one. to a great podcast on uh, – this guy went back and looked at all the championship teams in multiple sports over the last – 50 years and it turns out that the captains of these teams aren't necessarily a star or even start half the time they're not actually rah-rah guys they're just solid guys who sort of enforce quietly they can yeah. so it can come from anywhere remember i mean golden was was actually considered a, a strong voice in the clubhouse yeah special teams captain no you're right that's what i think about vince it's like he's not going to be a star but he's a guy if he can keep his emotions in in check which i think he i think he channels them really well you know, he keeps them hyped. He keeps them hungry. He could be that guy. And then Cam Hayward's another one, a vocal one. And then I think Joe Hayden will be a little bit more comfortable. And like you said, we got a, a bunch of guys who have been there, done that. They'll need to coalesce during the offseason because some of those guys are new faces. But, you know, so much of this core is made up of young guys who have now been there for long enough where it's like, come on. <laughs> At this point, we got to know what we're doing a little bit, right? So yeah. I do think that'll improve. So that's number three. Improvement number Potential three is improvement. That defensive. Number four, four, four. Let's go with defensive 
players, the old-fashioned player breakout. It happens all the time. Last year you had, uh, who do you think were the two big ones? To me, obviously Juju Smith-Schuster. We all knew that. And then you'd probably go with, I'd go with Chris Hubbard and the silver bullet Mike Hilton. There are some guys that came out of nowhere that you didn't know were going to be good. They turn out to be really good players. So there is this prime list that we have. It's kind of the usual suspects, right? But there's a couple guys who you should expect to get better in their first to second year or second to third year or whatever it may be. The biggest name on the list is TJ Watt. Obviously, you always want to look at your first round draft pick like in his second year because the first year you give them a little bit of a pass, but by the second year you want to see them start to step it up, right? I mean, Le'Veon was solid his first year. You could see, like, hey, this guy actually knows how to play running back as opposed to Jonathan Dwyer or Isaac Redman or some of the different guys we had. Now, so TJ's the big one. And then you have our our favorite trio of Artie Burns, Sean Davis, and actually I'm going to take out Bud Dupree. I'm going to kind of say we know what we have with him. I'm going to save him for later. But Artie and Sean, they can definitely get better. Artie, you know – he actually showed a lot of improvements in man-to-man coverage, and you, I, I definitely saw him getting better, which is, is tough because he's got a ways to go. But listen, he could be the latest in line of the Ike Taylors. Ike Taylor and William Gay were horrible in the first part of their careers. It was a slow uphill climb, and I could see Artie making that kind of break a little bit as well. And you know who the two other guys I'm thinking of breaking out? I sat down and I really thought, who could really break out? The big one is to it. That's the guy we yeah, said last year was going to yeah, break out. Agreed, agreed. He seems to be – yeah, and he, he was hurt. I think uh, – I agree. I think that could be – the defensive line could yeah. be the strength. But yes. Absolutely, because he was going to break out last year. He got that contract. The first play of the season, he had a 10-yard sack and broke his arm. <laughs> and then that was that, and he played with a, whatever it was, a, a messed-up arm the whole year. But he could be ready to go because obviously he's mentally ready. Uh, he's been in the league long enough. He knows what he's doing, and he could be a beast. And then the other guy is Mike Hilton. The Silver Bullet. Silver Bullet. Played a really good season at the slot. None of us are talking about him now because we kind of have bigger guys with, with Sean Davis and Arnie Burns who, who really need to make that leap. But, man, the Silver Bullet was a rookie last year. He did a great job. You should expect him with all the experience he's had to step it up a little bit in his second year. So I think if any of those guys, if one of those guys steps up, you're going to be better than last year. And I think to some level all of them will. So those are my candidates for the defensive player breakout. And then I put another little section, defensive player upgrades. I think Hayden is going to be better in his second year with the Steelers. He's more comfortable in leadership role. He's comfortable with the defense. I think Bud 2.0, I've kind of given up on him breaking out and being a stud first rounder, but he can be a solid guy for you. He can be a reliable player, right? A Ramon Foster type guy. He's not a star, but you totally can rely on him on him to do what he does. He's a good chess piece in my mind. He's not going to beat guys one-on-one, but he can get seven sacks from different blitzes and stuff like that. So he's valuable. And then I think Morgan May Burnett, you. the new May safety. Stop you. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I, I respect I'm so excited. Yeah. There's, there's a time when you have to just pull the chips off the table. Bud is serviceable. I don't see him stepping up. But I do want I, – I don't know where Tyson – I don't see him stepping up from being straight bad. Mediocre. That's what I mean. Well, he's serviceable. Tyson he was, he was good is, around the edge. Tyson Alulu is a high-end backup. I mean, he's not going to be given the opportunities to make a huge impact. That's what we want from him. I'm talking about guys who are either, you know, he just doesn't play enough snaps for me to put him in these categories, although I'm happy with him on the team, Tyson Alulu. Okay. 
I like you know what Tyson. I'm saying? But I think Bud can be I think Bud was bad last year and I think that he can be decent this year. That's still an improvement, right? That's why I didn't categorize okay, so him in that player breakout. I'm like it's just an upgrade from from last year Bud to this year Bud. I got you. How about Chicolo? Cuz Chicolo's going to have to no, step up. He's not. he's not. No, he's not. He's a he's a backup. He's a backup. I mean, he is what he is. He's a backup player. That's it. We've already I've gone through my I've tried to maybe I didn't categorize these no, well, no, I got five. I, I have had five those guys. Things. So the only guy, actually, when you talk about young guys stepping up, you put Burns. I, I don't put him, you know, he's going to be his third year starting. I put him with the guys. I know he's young, but he and Davis really belong with Hayden in a way. I mean, they're third year veterans. They've got to step I don't, up. I don't, I definitely don't think so. Hayden. And what? No, Hayden, what? Hayden, what? Hilton's like a year or two younger than him. Hayden, Hayden is 29 years old. Years. Yeah, his athletic prime, he's never going to be more athletic than he was now or a year before. He's only going to go downhill, but it can be what? a gradual downhill. These guys are still improving in their athletic primes. Why did you put him in under, Hayden under an upgrade then? Because I'm trying to categorize the difference between, I think there can go from players who become from good players to great players. That's what I mean by a breakout star. Artie, Davis, Watt, Tuit, Hilton. There's so much upside for those guys. They're young. They still aren't even in their athletic primes yet. And then I think there's other guys who are like, yeah, they might not turn into stars like I think one of those other players could do, but they'll be better than either the person playing their position in 2017, even if that's the same guy. Like I think this Joe Hayden will be better than last year's Joe Hayden because he didn't even get get to go to training camp last year. Fair enough. You know? So to recap – we're looking at an offense that's going to be much stronger in the red zone, not only because of Vance McDonald, but also because of new a new offensive coordinator. The offense should come out on a faster start. Hopefully they learned their lesson last year. Ben uh, cut out the cheese doodles right after, um, right before OTAs. And we'll have James Conner, who will get all the snaps and know that he will be, I guess he'll be the starter if Le'Veon doesn't show up until October. On defense, I mean, we, we expect more discipline, more communication with these veterans we brought on, and uh, we think Joe Hayden will emerge. On defense, the other young guys that are going to step up, Burns, what, Davis, and the Silver Bullet, and it's, I think Tua has stepped up, but we're looking for an even um, higher performance in the upcoming year. Is that about it? No, I think he was going to break. Yeah, that encapsulates it. And two, it was going to break out last year, but he was screwed by that injury. So I think you're going to see that deferred to this year. And we'll see what happens. So, yeah, that's that. Those are my things for a lot of things. Um, some of those things are a roll of the dice. Will we improve on that? Will Artie or Sean improve? I, I, I can't say that as strongly as I can say I would expect the red zone offense to improve. I would expect, um, you know, Connor to be an improvement over what he was last year and stuff like that. So a lot of stuff that the Steelers can even get better at this year with the team, with mostly everybody returning. So I was, uh, to move on to our next topic, I was ruminating about the Steelers, sort of the, um, the defensive lapses and some of those big plays they let off, especially against Jacksonville. I mean, there were some real let the air out of the balloon plays last year, and it felt like we just couldn't protect against a long, a long play. So I started doing a little reading, and I found this esoteric statistic that maybe many of you are already aware of because it was formulated several years ago. It's called the toxicity index. The toxicity (laughs) index really measures your big plays that you achieve and the turnovers you receive against the big plays you give up and the turnovers you have. 
a positive indicator. What's a big play? So a big play is anything over 20 yards. You have heard many descriptions of big plays. The NFL quantifies a big play as anything over 20 yards, whether it's a rush or a pass. And this was a term coined by former NFL head coach Brian Billick. So when you go to the website, you'll see the you'll see the formula. But it's pretty simple. Number of big plays you have minus the number of big plays you give up plus your takeaways minus your giveaways. Last year, in this last season, 12 of the top 16 teams in toxic differential reached the playoffs. I mean, in other words, if you are positive, that's a good thing. You have more takeaways, big plays than your opponents have. The uh, so pretty high success rate. So 12 of the 16 teams in the in the playoffs had a positive differential. Interestingly, the NSC title gotcha. game, Minnesota and Philadelphia, those were the two two highest ratings for toxic differential. Now, toxic has gotcha. a has a negative connotation, but it could be plus or minus. You want to be plus. The Steelers are ranked 16th in terms of it, it, on the positive side in terms of toxicity with a plus six. So if you add right up the, the number of plays they had over 20 yards, you have the number of takeaways they had and subtract the number of 20-yard plays they gave up and number of giveaways, they were at plus six. And uh, so I actually dug a little deeper and saw that they, they, they didn't have an inordinate number of long plays. I mean, they just gave them up in critical times, I think. It sounds like so. If the Steelers were sixteenth, dead middle in toxicity, which means it, it speaks truth to what we've said about the Steelers. You know, it's not hyperbole about how good we've talked about the offense being or how bad the defense was. Like for all the huge plays that the Steelers offense generates, the defense gives up about just as many. It sounds like. If you're right smack dab in the middle. Yeah, I'd say that that's a good way to look at it. You know what? I I could break it down. I won't bore everybody, but I could break it down a little bit more and see whether it was a prolific offense or, you know, deficient defense, but it was average. But I also, then I, then I took a look and looked uh, to see where the big plays were coming from. There's a great new website I found, maybe not new, Sharp Football Stats. And they, they have some great graphics and you'll see it on our website because I'm going to steal it, giving them attribution. And I found that when you look at explosive running plays, most of them are coming from the offense's left side. So, 30, when, so when we're on defense, when we're on defense, our right side defense is giving up thirty percent of the big plays the defense gives up overall. And I found that interesting right. because I'm looking at what yeah. Joe Hayman. Yeah, and obviously you can't pin everything right. on him. That's also Ryan Chazier. I mean, right? At least well, for half Ryan the season. was in the middle. Yeah. yeah. Shady but, uh, that I Yeah. Yeah, and, strong side. And I was gonna say, you know, the Shazier, that's kind of another thing that could in, improve about this year. So the fact that the defense was built around Ryan Shazier in the same way that it was built around Troy Polamalu, around kind of not quite a freelancing guy like Troy was, but a, a rangy player who can go all over the place and then when you didn't have him in there, your defense kinda went to crap. Now they'll be prepared against that, but if you can look for some positives in, in Ryan being gone, which there are basically none, you make a good point. I mean, he did have a couple struggles last year early trying to cover those run plays, and they got some huge run plays on him. So to me, it was totally worth it for a Shazier. If he gives up some big ones, who cares? He's a superstar. He's making way more of a positive impact than a negative impact. Of course. But maybe they'll run a more sort of um, 
what's what's the word uh, less risk averse type defense and just keep things in front of them and you know no, nothing nothing sexier than risk averting dependability so well let's face it we now have this also is attributable to this Sean Davis and Mike Mitchell but now that we have nine count them nine strong safeties each of them who could masquerade as a linebacker I don't anticipate those kind of big plays although nobody will be able to oh, keep no. the play in front of them but we had heard in OTAs which means nothing. This is just a point of interest that Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt have swapped sides from uh, during during these drills. So I wonder if they're trying uh, yeah, to get more. Yeah, they've just played each other's sides a little different. A different, yeah, yeah. But I, I wonder if it's a matter of flexibility and try to show some new looks. Because if you remember, T.J. Watt played a lot of Mac. I mean, he he was playing in the middle of the, right behind the line for many plays that we saw this last season. Yeah, he was the best defensive players. Von Miller, Khalil Mack, J.J. Watt, Aaron Donald, whoever. I mean, Ryan Shazier, play, he blitzed off the edge a lot and stuff like that. The best defensive players, they move around. They need to be like chess pieces. The Steelers and other teams want to be able to move those guys to put them in positions to succeed. All right, so, so the more of that, the better. So we are looking to suppress the, the big plays that we give up this this next year. Hopefully the offense is even more prolific than it was last year. That that's sort of my point. It was just interesting. Yeah. More big plays coming off the um offensive left side than I would have thought if I hadn't seen the statistics. So go to the website. There's a really interesting graph there. So I can move on well, to we'll our, keep track of that this year. We no, that's cool. They, they you kinda of set that up and we'll we'll try and keep track during the year of the toxicity and that'll hopefully kind of give us an idea of how the Steelers are standing throughout the course of the year. Because if only four teams in the playoffs last year had a negative toxicity report, you know, shows you how crucial it is. Let's just all say it together. Toxicity. 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 Is it? Steelers defense toxic. That's Britney Spears. She sang that for the NFL back in the day. All right. So moving on to our last topic, I want to talk about the strength of schedule. Yet another great graphic yes. you're going to see on SteelersOutpost.com. The, um, again, this, the sharp football statistics does some really good graphics to give you an idea about what's going on. They look at the strength of schedule next year based on next year's schedule using 2017 statistics. We know this is a little right. bit – it's not quite fantasy, but it's not reality. I mean, teams have – Drop players, acquired players. But yeah. you, when you see this graph, you'll see Cleveland as high as the Empire State Building on this graph, showing they, they are the patsy of the – I don't want to focus on them, although we'll talk about them so briefly. higher means they're worse. Higher this, means they are – yeah, they, they are easier. They'll That's be a dark positive green. little spin. That's wanna, so nice. I want to look at the teams sort of in the middle. So one, one of the first teams we're going to play is Kansas City, second week. They were number six yeah. in offensive scoring. They were – 22nd in defense. Kind of they did cut. They did um, load up on defense. I'm not sure. You, Nick, you have a draft, better idea what the uh, free agents look, look like. Yeah, so just here's a real quick overview kind of, of of the schedule. Here's how I look at NFL schedules. I look at two main things. Number one, how many dope quarterbacks are you playing? Because uh, they're harder to beat. Uh, they're harder for every team to beat, but particularly – for the steel, you trying to make a fire over there? Yeah, you got, you got some kindling. Sorry, 
Right, well, I know it's, it's it's almost June, but it can get cold in the command center. You guys don't know that. You got to keep the machinery running at a decent temperature. So sometimes it gets a little cold. Anyways, here's how I look at schedules. Quarterbacks, the good ones, they're harder to beat. And maybe if you were the Steelers in the early 2000s, you didn't really worry about that because when your strength is defense, maybe you look at different types of things. But obviously, no matter how good the Steelers are every year, it seems like they always lose to Brady and Breeze or Rodgers or whoever those real studs might be because we traditionally have some difficulty defending the pass, right? So I look for great quarterbacks, and then I look for what division are you matched up against and are those teams loaded? Well, both of those things are tough this year. I think the Steelers play what probably is – oh, man, they they literally play the two – deepest divisions they play the afc west and the nfc south both of those divisions are about as wide open as you can be they both have favorites but really anyone could win out of those divisions now the nfc south is like a quarterback gauntlet you got drew Brees, matt ryan cam newton and then james winston's the worst one there he's a good quarterback okay so like we said before, you never know. People get hurt. Aaron Rodgers got hurt last year, and we played against Brent Huntley. There's tons of quarterbacks who we didn't have to play against last year, so that changes. But look, the numbers are just huge. The last couple of weeks of the season, we got to play Phillip Rivers, Derek Carr, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and then Andy Dalton, whatever. So I do look at the schedule as being a little bit tougher than last year in, in certain ways, but we're also the damn Pittsburgh Steelers, and our quarterback's better than their quarterback. So they're going to be looking at the same thing. Let's go back, and uh, let me rein in the ADD just slightly for a second here and go back to the original question you asked me, which is about the Chiefs. So they added, sort of added, a huge name in Patrick Mahomes, who obviously is their new quarterback. He was on the team last year. They traded up to get him the first round. He has one of the best arms we have seen in a long time in the NFL. Um, which is interesting uh, because that can make you a really good quarterback. He can make any type of throw. He's like a little junior Brett Favre. They picked up Sammy Watkins, who's a total burner in free agency. And Patrick Mahomes, this will be his only his second start, is the, is the will be opening weekend of the NFL. But he has the tools to have a higher upside than, let's say, an Alex Smith or whatever. Their skill positions, check this out. Tyreek Hill. Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, the tight end, Kareem Hunt, they're loaded. They have as good a skill position player set as really anybody in the whole league. So their defense was total poop last year. Yes, they drafted a bunch of people. I don't think that's going to make too much of a difference by the time we play them in the second week of the season. We beat them last year. I think we should have beat them by 20. That's that red zone offense that didn't do so well. Um, But they do have some serious firepower on offense. So yeah, they're they're better than the tux than the uh, schedule. All right. Let's assume a forty eight forty five victory. We are playing them at home this year. Maybe we ought to focus on. Uh, I think you did this a little bit, but I'd like to go back and look at the AFC, our our competition, the AFC North. So, Cleveland, they have loaded up. What's uh, what's your prognosis? I, I, actually, let me give my prognosis. I guess do it. The issue is whether Tyrod Taylor is going to start over Baker Mayfield. They have said Tyrod Taylor will play. I would much rather play Baker Mayfield in his NFL debut. I think uh, the Steelers are well-positioned, and that would serve us well. But having said that, I still think they are— Either one. Tyrod Taylor doesn't scare me. 
it's not scary. It's just he has some experience. And the question is, how are they going to be in sync in week one? We're going to play them in week one and week eight. We're going to play them away in week one, which is, I, I think, uh, an advantage. So do you you said you think that they'll start Tyrod game one, which yeah. is what they've been saying all yeah. offseason. And they'll bring in and Baker Mayfield I, in week eight I when they come them. to Pittsburgh. I believe I I agree. I think by that time you got to put Baker in, but they're so shell shocked from ruining so many quarterbacks, and Hugh Jackson is scared of that. They're just going to try and get some victories. I do think that they'll start Tyrod to begin the year, and I, I could go either way if I was their fan base. But yeah, we'll probably see them first. And look, they're they're loaded. When you get ten first round picks every year, you're going to get some good teams. But we're lucky that we catch them in the first week because they're still going to need some gelling. Uh, Todd Haley will probably be showing. Uh, them are plays and everything like that, but you know we'll be we'll be okay, I think. So then Baltimore rolls into Pittsburgh in week four, and we repeat again five weeks later. I think Joe. I mean, obviously Joe. Fla- I shouldn't say obviously. Same question: Quarterback quandary. Joe Flacco starts right. Quart- quarterback. Do you think Joe Flacco is going to be starting by the second time we meet them in November fourth? Uh, no. Or is it going to be Lamar Jackson? They got to they got to burn their draft pick. They got to get Lamar in there. Yeah, so we think that they'll that that's that's such a crazy schedule, and and honestly, I don't know. Lamar Jackson definitely scares me more than Joe Flacco. Flacco knows how to beat the Steelers, but Lamar Jackson, I've just seen what some of these quarterbacks can do as rookies if they can run. You know, sometimes it takes them a year or two to get used to the passing, but the running you can make an impact right away. I mean, RG three did it obviously. Deshaun Watson did a little bit of both, but sort of Deshaun Watson's success for the Titans last year came, or sorry, for the Texans last year came. Uh, off of runs and, and scrambling and stuff like that. So Lamar will be scary, but that kind of would be an ideal situation for the Steelers to play the underwhelming veterans in the in the first month of the season and then get the rookies getting their sea legs later. That 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 lines up well for us. And so so them shell shock in the first season. So either way, it, it, I think it's okay yeah. to face a, a, a rookie in his first game. Yeah, so I would say we'll we'll keep track of the schedule going forward, but the first, um, what do we have? One, two, three, four, five, six games. We did this last year. Like, how how long will the Steelers be undefeated? This or that? Well, they play the Browns, the Chiefs. But like we said, the Chiefs could have this real star powered offense coming in. But like you pointed out, man, they were six in offense last year. Like, how much better are you going to get? And, and, and they had some real trouble on defense. Then you play the Buccaneers, who are team on the rise they're not scary they play the ravens you know it could go either way with them they play the falcons which is usually a scary thing for us because it's an organized pass offense but man they took a dive last year from that super bowl high-flying offense so gotta play julio that one to me is kind of a toss-up then you play the bengals and you have a bye i you know we gotta see the health of the teams by that point but the steelers could run the table for that opening segment for sure they're better than all those teams yeah so the question is what what are the Bengals going to look like we're going to play them in week six and we play them in the last uh at home last game of the season Bengals are going to have a new stud running back and joe mixon the guy they drafted last year the Bengals people aren't really talking about them quite as much maybe as they should be they've shored up the offensive line a little bit and that running back's going to be a pain in the butt honestly so he's probably a they probably should have gotten him more heavily involved last year, but that's a real first-round talent guy. Is Vontez Burfitt going to be? Is Vontez Burfitt going to be out of the first he'll or the second back. game? He'll be back by the last game or the. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that'll be, be his first game. He'll back. be in for the first one. Right. Yeah, he'll be in. That'll be a second game back second when game we back. play them, and then he'll probably be suspended for something else. Hopefully, by the second game. All right. So you would assume. I, I mean, we have hard. we have sixteen games. We're not going to go through them here. The, the last team I wanted to talk about, who 
is in the green zone, which means on the relatively easy side is the Denver Broncos. Yeah, they're easy. They, their team has lost a lot in terms of actually losing players and then just players getting a little bit older uh, since that Super Bowl run. But they they could have, they got Von Miller and then they got Chubb in the draft. They got um, Bradley Chubb. So they could have a pretty fearsome pass rush and, luck, and the game is at mile high. And we traditionally have had some sort of struggles there. So they're interesting. So you can't yeah, the, the middle part of this, yeah, you can't freaking breathe. The middle, the middle, the whole schedule is tricky. I think actually the opening slate is a little bit easier. Then you get some divisional games, and then you have kind of the the zone that you're referring to. You got Panthers, so you got the basically the Carolina Cam Newtons that can always be a little tricky. And you got the Jaguars. We know that's a total toss up. The Broncos, and then you hit that last part of the season that I was saying, which is just stud quarterback after stud quarterback. Philip River in the Chargers, Carr in the Raiders, Brady in the Patriots. Breeze at the Saints in the Dome, red which rifle. actually, hey, that could play okay for us. We're going to get fast. And then you get the red rifle, a little reprieve at the end. But you have you know terrorists on their team trying to take your people out, so you never know how that goes. So there, we'll always look at these things in groups of four when you get into the season. But the Steelers, as usual, let's avoid the, the slow start. Let's not lose to the Bears this year, and you could get a nice cushion at the beginning part of the season. And if you drop one or two to those great quarterbacks, you'll be okay. So it is going to be a difficult second half of the season, as uh, and we'll sure. track it. So we, uh, I think that's it for the headlines this week. We appreciate you listening to the show. Honestly, we do. We check the statistics. You are coming to us from all over the world, and we come out to you all over the world. Uh, we do the podcast each week. We're back on track. It's Monday. Again, happy Memorial Day. If you haven't subscribed to the show already, please subscribe. If you like what you hear, we are here every Tuesday. So, once again, we'd like to make this show as good as we can. Thank you, Parker, for suggestions. We'd like to hear from you. Please follow us on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. You can leave us a note on the blog at SteelersOutpost.com or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Until next week, people. Thanks for listening. Go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's gonna be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, 
you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.